and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. The offer is available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. And David Locke's weekly appearance is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. Is PK with you? Yeah. PK, I'm impressed because you know what they say. What? If you're going to soar with the Eagles, or you're going to soar with the, I don't know what they say. Something about <laughs> soaring with somebody, you got to hoot the next morning or something. If you're going to hoot with the Owls, you got to soar with the Eagles, or I don't know. Because, I mean, I know you last night. Crazy. <laughs> Yuck, will you make that a drop? Because that was awesome. Uh, he and I know what that was about. He texted me. We had a funny text in yesterday. Yeah, that's what that was all about. What is it? What is the phrase? I thought I had it right. Dyslexia never kills. It just really confuses. <laughs> what, what, what is that? So you're gonna <laughs> soar with the, the the soaring eagle is Juan Diego's nickname. I know <laughs> that. <laughs> Don't change allegiances like down there in Draper. We know about your allegiances. Was well, the owl hoot in the morning? I don't know, but I t- I toot in the morning. <laughs> yeah, we know. I didn't. You know. Why? Why? Well, you, well, you walked him right up to it. Are you Nancy Kerrigan here? Why didn't walk him anywhere close to that. He like jumped over all sorts of things to get there. That was not a logical next thing at all. You can't soar with the eagles if you're hanging with the turkeys. No, that is not it. All right, fine. And I'm in the wrong market for which somebody to get this phrase. I went helicopter skiing with it, it up in Canada. In Mike Wigley's helicopter skiing, and they have, and it's quite a party. Nice plug. And it's quite an unbelievable skiing. And there's a big, huge, like, sign that's wood carved out, like it's been there for you know 50 years or something. And it has this phrase, and it's basically, you know, if you're going to be partying all night, you got to be able to wake up early in the morning. Well, I did. I know you're amazing. <laughs> Gosh, last night was insane, wasn't it? Oh man, I can barely remember it. Yeah, right, because it ended at 9.30. Okay. Hey, 50-year-olds pretending they're funny. (laughs) Tune in every morning, 6 to 10. Are you ready for a serious question? The fact that I get to call an NBA game in like four days? When will you get to call an NBA game that involves Rudy Gay? that he is now expected to miss the first part of the season. And was he hmm. expected to miss the first part of the season when the Jazz signed him, or is that a more recent development because things aren't going well, or this was always the timeline, but we were busy watching football and nobody said anything and you know, people didn't know. And- yeah, so that's like information that's not out there, which is whether when, when he had the heel surgery. So, um, And that's really the key piece of information you need to have, right? Because... So whatever the date is by which he had heel surgery is the last time he was active. Um, he's, you know, probably been riding the bike and doing those kind of things, but the last time he had any type of running or anything of that was probably the day before the heel surgery, and it's not clear when that's, that's not reported or that's not out there right now in any way, shape, or form. So um, I don't, you know, my easy guess, if I have to put, like, if you – if you want me to like guess is I, if I could take the wide ranging month of November, that seems to be like a pretty good guess. 
um, in that, you know, he's not playing. They, I think they've kind of said he's not starting. They said he's not starting the season or just not playing training they camp? They said right? uh, early in the season that he's due back. Okay, so early in the season. So if he's not starting the season the way they're, you know, the way that schedule is, and they're never home, going to be pretty hard for him to get in before November. So that's and then there's a long home stand in November where it seems like that's the right time. Now his body's got to be playing along. So you know I don't know if we're heading into November, December. I mean the fact of the matter is we signed Rudy Gay to play in April, May, and June. So not a um, not a massively important issue in that sense. Eric Pascal gets a chance to play with really good players for the first time in his career, and we can see what he can do. So that and that's a positive. Um, and I'm not actually. I don't know, I'm on an island on this. I've listened, read every article, listened to every podcast, read every national article, and all I ever hear about is, with us is, oh, we've got this new defensive versatility. Like, it's cute. It's a good line. It's, I guess, important. I'm not buying. Like, it's just, like, I just do not think it's nearly as important as everybody else does. But that's, you know, I've been wrong many times in my career, and maybe I'm wrong again. All right, I guess we'll have to see there. I was thinking about this the other day, thinking about when I was thinking about the Jazz. You know, we've seen some pretty good glimpses of Royce O'Neal be ex- extremely good. And so I'm wondering going forward, you know, how good can he be? He's still what I would consider a fairly young enough player to get better. But what do you think is there for him as far as getting even better than he is now to make even more of a contribution to the team? I think the next step would be whether you add, and I don't know that he actually has to do this to be valuable. I think um, I love the fact that someone like Royce works as hard as he does and tries to improve his skills every day. Um, I always think one of the bigger mistakes players in the NBA make from just a big picture standpoint is they get paid and they then feel like they have to do something more. And the fact is they got paid for doing exactly what they were doing. So frankly, we paid Royce O'Neal or we, the jazz paid Royce O'Neal a bunch of money so that he would defend the lead guy every single game. He has done that at a higher rate than any player in all of the NBA, that he hit open threes. He did that brilliantly. And that he would only take about five shots a game, which I actually think the third one is maybe as important as anything else on this roster. Cause there are too many, there are not enough possessions to go around for the way this roster is constructed. So if someone like Royce suddenly wants 10 shots, it's a real problem. Um, so, you know, part of me thinks what Royce is exactly is great. The next step for him, and he talked about this in our broadcasters meeting at content day is, you know, a little bit more ball handling and a little bit more creation for others. So can we suddenly run Royce off some pick and rolls? Royce plays drive and kick. Does that suddenly lead to a, a kick out three? It may be for somebody else. Um, as well as anyone else. But, you know, the other thing on him, just to his credit, he has become a terrific rim finisher, and he was not when he first came in the league. That's, that's really what made him viable is that his, he learned how to finish at the rim, and he's, done a, he's strong and physical and learned how to do that. David Locke, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I know you're following the whole NBA. Have you seen any storylines, anything that impacts the Western race here early on that has made you raise an eyebrow? Maybe a team's a little better than you thought. Maybe somebody's got a problem that isn't on everybody else's radar because everybody else is watching college football. So there are three things I've seen so far. They're all kind of related to things I thought about when the year started. Um, so one is Dallas. So I really, really like Dallas. Um, there's a lot to like. Luke is ready to be an MVP. They can spread the floor. They can do all sorts of things. I just don't know about Jason Kidd. He's never won more than 41 games, I think, in his career as a head coach, maybe 44. He's had some really good teams. He's had dysfunction everywhere he's been. 
And then he comes out and announces that, like, Dwight Powell is starting. Kristaps Przingis is going to play the four, and I don't want him to be, you know, worrying about the three and da 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 and shooting a lot of twos and doing all these kind of things. And, like, well, he's not actually very good at that. So, to me, like, that was a little alarming, like, that it was almost like Jason Kidd wants to be obstinate for the sake of being obstinate, which, okay, like, go for it. We'll see. Um, the second one is just watching Chauncey Billups camp in Portland. Cause I think they're a lot better than anyone realizes. And if they're good, it has massive ramifications on the Western conference. Cause it then means there are seven, if not eight good teams. And what that means is that everyone is now just avoiding the playing game for the entire first half of, for the first regular season. If you just think about like, if this thing's as balanced as we think, and the winner is going to win 54, 55 games, I think there's a chance that seven could be at 48 wins. That's just a very slim margin between being home court advantage at 51 and play in game at 47. And so, you know, if Mike Conley suddenly sitting every back to back and you have one other injury, like, are you suddenly just as good as we thought you were, but you're working toward the play in because the Clippers are much better than people think. And the Blazers are, and I do think Portland's way better than anyone thinks. So I've been watching that closely. And then I do think the wild card of the whole West is whether what Russell Westbrook's impact is going to be. And he did a whole press conference about how he's going to be on Anthony Davis all the time. And he's going to be driving him and making him play hard. And to Russ's credit, you can say all you want about Russ and I'll talk about how he's the single least efficient player in the NBA. And he's the most negatively impactful offensive player. He makes his teammates play hard. He plays harder than anyone else in the entire league. And I don't know if Anthony Davis has that gear inside of him. And if Russ is riding him, like I think Anthony Davis is as liable to check out as he is to check in. But if he checks in, holy smokes. So um, I think that one's really interesting to watch. How do you think they'll approach the regular season? Because they got four guys who are at least 35 years of age, and then they got another three or four who are over 30. So I think this is the story. This goes back to the two teams I'm watching the most to start the year, Portland and the Clippers. To me, this is the story of the West. It's a little you know, maybe second tier, but so I'm watching Portland and the Clippers. And if they're good to start, then what I just talked about is real, that the playing game is going to be at 48 games, 48 wins, 47, 48. I think the Clippers are going to be, I mean, excuse me, I think the Lakers at like the 62 game mark are going to be 34 or 32 and, you know, or 33 and 29. Like, I think they're going to be hovering a little bit above 500 coasting through the year. And then the final 20 games are going to be like, Oh gosh, we got to go. Like, we got to go now. And if they slip as far as I just said, then they would actually have to go, like, 15-3. and three. I, I don't like their roster composition. Um, I don't quite get what they did. I'm not a Russell Westbrook fan. I just gave you the positives and negatives. He is the most negatively impactful offensive player in regards to efficiency in the league. Carmelo's an inefficient offensive player. Anthony Davis had a bad year last year. I think for them to be good, Anthony Davis has to have a Jokic-level year this year. I have them as the ninth best offensive team in all of the Western conference and considerably below the good offensive teams, like considerably below. I have them as a 44 win offensive team, which means they have to be elite level defensive team. They added Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard and Andre Jordan and Russell Westbrook guys that are 30 plus to be elite defensive team. It doesn't jive to me. So we'll see. And I could be wrong because LeBron and Anthony Davis are that great. But then I hate to say this, but like LeBron's not LeBron anymore. Like he's really, really good, but he's 30, whatever years old. It's like, it's like, 
you know, like his running mate, Dwayne Wade, owns the Jazz, isn't playing with the Jazz. He lost a shooting. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously, him looting a shooting contest with Gobert and Whiteside's fun, but not real. Um, but it's worth noting, right? Like, Carmelo's like on his last leg and barely a player anymore. Wade's retired. Like, LeBron is, it's coming to an end at some point. He's not going to be the only player in the history of the league that doesn't age. So, I just don't. I think the Lakers. This. I. I think the Clippers in Portland are the two teams that are the most important teams to watch early in the year because if they're good, the race to avoid the playing game is going to be, you know, astronomical. I guess the Warriors are the other one in there because I'm not sure I get the hype around the Warriors. So they're a non-playoff team that added two rookies who was adding a piece that hasn't played in two years sometime in January, and that's the third highest win total according to. That, like, I was just on betonline.ag today, and they like had, I think the Warriors is the third highest, like or fourth highest win total in the West. Like, really? I don't get it. So I guess the Warriors would be too, because if the Warriors slip out, then there's only seven teams. He's David Locke. He joins us every week right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you, David. You know what's crazy? What? Well, lots in the world right now, but... Second most crazy thing what? is that when I talk to you on Friday next week, I, we will have called two games. And even more than crazy, we will have talked two road games. Hmm. And then the week after that, and then the week after that, they're just going to pile up now. Well, yeah. Like, I'm not thinking about that. You're, you're <laughs> traveling? Are you back to traveling this year? Yes. Okay. All right. Isn't that great? Yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Pick enjoy, me up a t-shirt. Enjoy Texas. <laughs> Where do you need a T-shirt from, TK? I'm all over it. <laughs> Dallas, you Texas. You want that T-shirt that says, my friend went on a road trip with an NBA team and all I got was a scrappy T-shirt? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, I'll make sure we get one of those for you. <laughs> Thanks, David. All right. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the preseason opener Monday, and then he's got another game Wednesday right here on the Zone Sports Network. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke. Everywhere I go, what do you think of Rudy Gay and Jared Butler? And I was like, I think about Hassan Whiteside. All those conversations about Butler and Trent Forrest and Eric Pascal. The one that slides my meter of where the Jazz are and who they are is Hassan Whiteside. We were horrendous defensively with Rudy off the floor last year. Like, we actually had a glaring statistical weakness defensively for 14 minutes a night, every night, on a team that was the best record in the NBA. If we're, like, above average or even good because Hassan Whiteside is 7-1 with a 7-5 wingspan? Hassan Whiteside is good. Lights out. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Northern Utah is our home and the Wildcats are our home team. That's why Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Riverdale is proud to support Weber State University Athletics. And we love Wildcat fans too. So for hometown deals and a massive new selection we take care of our own in the best way possible. Come see us at our new location where you can shop at the top at 1481 West Riverdale Road and save. Riverdale, live here, work here, cheer for the Wildcats here, buy here. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Riverdale. LHMRiverdale.com. Driven by you. You need a powerful, reliable IT partner. You need Syringa Networks. It's all there. It's cutting-edge telecommunication services backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime needed. And 24-7, 365 network operations feature trained techs who actually answer the phone. Call 385-420-7881 or get started today at syringanetworks.net. syringanetworks.net. 
The dynamics of retail are changing. As more people are making purchases using Amazon, Angora recognizes this and has developed a plan to help you capitalize on marketplace shifts and earn real, tangible profits within the first year. From concept to launch of your own Amazon listings, Angora is there. Angora's team works with you directly to build revenue streams that allow for consistent and sustainable growth. For a free partnership consultation, visit Angora.Solutions. That's Angora.Solutions. Angora, making e-commerce more accessible. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Sataki and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with the post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, PK, we got a week of Pac-12 football without the most popular Pac-12 team in these parts. No Utes, you got to buy, but now you got a chance to scout the conference. Where is it going? Big games. Uh, There are multiple games of interest here. Um, There are also some games that really I'm hard-pressed to care about. I'm different than you because this is my conference, so any any game I'm going to be interested in. Uh, it isn't necessarily relative exclusively to this year. Interested enough to watch every play of the game when there's other games on? I mean, I get your point. If that were the only option, I'd be in. I because watch I'd... any. Okay, good. Now you're dialing back. I like it. second of every there, game. There are, locals. there are three games that need to be prioritized that for different reasons are interesting. Certainly the big game nationally, and it's reflected because ABC put it on a, ABC at 130. Third-ranked Oregon is playing Stanford. And Stanford got off to a bad start, and then it's kind of been a roller coaster here. They're good, they're bad, they're good, they're bad. You know, what What are they going to do? And maybe this is just the way they go on their way to 7-5 and five or whatever. But if they're on, they're good enough to at least push Oregon. Maybe they're good enough to pull the upset. They're at home. They don't have a big fan base or raucous crowd, so I don't know how much that's worth, but at least they don't have to travel. They don't have to play in front of Oregon's raucous crowd, so that's positive. And Stanford has given Oregon problems over time, so we'll see how that goes. That's the big game. In the South, well, ASU and UCLA, I mean, right now there's four teams that are thinking the South isn't very good. We could win it. These are two of them going head-to-head, the first of all these head-to-head matchups, so that's interesting. And Utah's next opponent is USC, and they're at Colorado, and they ought to handle Colorado. If they don't, you were joking about this in a commercial break yesterday. If USC doesn't win this, they're going to fire their interim coach and get another interim coach. Oh, yeah, I think they have to, don't they? (laughs) Maybe two and three with a loss to a Colorado team that right now looks like they can't, not only they can't score the ball, they really can't move it. That would seem unimaginable. And unforgivable. Your USC, come on, man. So I don't expect that by any stretch. I'm surprised that the spread is only seven and a half points. I just don't think Colorado can score enough to keep it that close. 
Now, if USC is real loose with the ball and turns it over like they did against Oregon State, you give teams short fields or pick sixes, they start scoring. But really, Colorado, they, this is a struggle for them to get to 20 points. I agree with you. It's right. a struggle. If you don't give them short fields or that, they're not getting to 20. I agree with you. Yeah. Your, devil, your devil's got them 35-13. Minnesota blanked them 30 to nothing. Texas A&M squeaked past 10 to 7. These are not impressive. No, they've got a weak <laughs> offense. Yep. And their only win was uh, their money game to open the season. Is that Northern Colorado? Uh, yeah. yeah they beat Northern Colorado 35-7. to seven. Yeah. And since then, three games, a grand total of 20 points. They're averaging less than seven wow. points per game yeah. in three games. So I assume USC wins this. They don't have to do much. If they win this thing 24-14, they cover. I, I don't see how they don't win and don't cut. Now, I don't gamble, and there's a reason, and that's because I think these things are sure things, and then they don't happen, and I'm an idiot. So, but on the surface right now, not only do I think USC wins, they cover because Colorado can't score. They've set the over-under at 51 points. So I guess that kind of says, well, 27-20 would be 47, right? 28-21 would be 49 points. Colorado scoring three touchdowns, really? You got three touchdowns in three games. Seems, mm-hmm. out, seems yeah. outrageous to me. No, I agree with you. That game's on at noon on the Pac-12 network. Uh, but I got to admit, by halftime, I assume SC's in control, and I'm way more interested in Oregon and Stanford at 130. Way more interested. Now, how good is Oregon? Because you ask yourself, are they playoff good? I don't know yet. They won at Ohio State. So is the, Ohio State playoff the, good? The easy answer is yes, they won at Ohio State. That's a great win. That's a great win. You know Ohio State's good. Are they dominant, super dominant? No, because Oregon beat them. They've got some issues on defense. Uh, they changed uh, play callers. But nevertheless, Oregon but, got the job done. And if Oregon goes undefeated, then they will be in. That's always the case. Holy hell would be raised yeah. if it's right, not. No. Undefeated Power 5 team is getting in. I don't think there's any good. They've never left one out, and I don't think they're going to. The thing I think is with that win, now I think they can get in as a one-loss team. Depending. <laughs> You're still worried they get a out. Well, with Clemson having multiple losses, they're done. Right. And that's a staple. So a spot's open that hasn't been open. Uh, one loss, somebody from the SEC with one loss would get in. Though The thing that aces them out is... You got Notre Dame. You two got SECs. Oklahoma. Two SECs, Notre Dame. Then a Big Ten or a Big 12 champ could push Ohio, could push Oregon out. Well, it'd be hard to push them out if it's Ohio State and you beat them. Right. So that's that's not really a tiebreaker, but in a sense you have sure, a tiebreaker. But if Michigan wins the league, then Oh yeah, well then. Right? Then Oregon could be in trouble. Right. But well, I'm but I'm not gonna believe that until I see it. I'm with you. If Penn State wins the league. Ohio State's one of these they're Until like they're beaten, they're not Jason beaten. on Halloween or Friday yeah. the 13th. They always seem to you slash them, and somehow they come back. And if they can't, they'll change the rules. We'll allow them in anyway. They're a massive brand. So, But Oregon, man, take care of business and then let the people vote. And uh, Stanford, you know, I thought Stanford was on to something, and then they lost at home to the Bruins. I know. So I'm not sold on them. That's why Oregon probably wins that game. They go in an eight-point favorite, which to me yeah. it seems more realistic and reasonable 
given the way Oregon played Ohio State and Fresno State, Oregon's not sitting here blowing out decent teams, but they know how to beat you. And Stanford gets the big win against SC, but then we turn and find out they're not they're nothing. They're not that good. Yeah. yeah. So right now, it's uh, the way I view the conference, the Pac-12. It's the Pac-1. Yeah, it's Oregon and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oregon's really good. Washington State, Colorado, and Arizona are really bad. And everybody else, you can just put them in a hat and mix them up every week. Maybe somebody will emerge and we will hold them up as the second best team. Yeah, the great thing about it is somebody has to emerge from the South. And then you get in a one-game basis and you sometimes you don't know. A one-game basis is a scary deal. Uh, there's no way I would have picked Oregon to just smoke Utah the way they did a couple years ago. But they did. And who's to say if they would have played two out of three or whatever, but they don't. So if you get, but at the same time, uh, we've seen some teams kind of stagger into winning the South and then get in there and get killed because they're just not that good. And maybe that's the case, but I'm going to allow these teams to prove me wrong right now. So the third game that I think is really interesting, FS1, 8.30 at night, Arizona State at UCLA. Oh, it's massive. UCLA by three. I think I'd take UCLA and UCLA to cover. You've done a good job of talking me down on Arizona State. They can rise up, though, man. The talent is there. The discipline hasn't been. Can they put it together? Does it all come together? Both teams are 3-1. and If someone's going to rise up, well, the winner of this is 4-1. and I mean, yeah, I can argue that losing to BYU at home is better than losing to Fresno. Uh, I mean, losing to BYU on the road is better than losing to Fresno at home. Agreed. So they've had the better loss. ASU has the better loss. UCLA has the two better wins. Beating LSU and beating Stanford. Don't know how good those teams are yet. I am of the Kyle Whittingham line of thinking. Give me five, six weeks, and then I can tell you. Until we get to that point, I can't tell you. So we'll see there. But yeah, I can see where you're going. Uh -uh. The Devils have to prove. Right now, Chip Kelly's team has proven a little bit more. You thought, despite your doubts and misgivings about Herm and the direction of the program, you thought they'd be 3-1 and right now. You thought they were going to beat Southern Utah. You thought they were going to beat UNLV. And you thought they were going to beat Colorado. And they have. Oh, I thought they had a chance to be 4-0. And the fan in me says, well, if you didn't have all those penalties, but yeah. that doesn't mean anything. They had all those penalties. And who knows if, if uh, Robertson would have gone in. Uh, well, he wasn't going to score. Uh, he was going, he was tackled. He's not fast enough. The running back should be able to catch a, uh, an inside linebacker or else you're, you got problems at running back. Uh, so uh, you don't, you don't know what could have happened there, but that the, the problem with that game was the penalties. It wasn't the loss. It was the penalties, the undiscipline, and the no accountability. That was the problem. You yeah. lose that game. Uh, say they just say they had stopped uh, BYU on their possession, and the Devils went down, and they punted, and the game ended. The score ended the way it did. Well, all right, but you didn't have those penalties. Mm, can live with that. At least I could. Three and one. I mean, they're not a world beater, but all those penalties were just inexcusable. I mean, and following it up two weeks prior with ten penalties in the first half to SU, that doesn't give me much confidence. Now maybe they clean it up, 
Maybe they just say, okay, we're done with it. You know, I've heard that they're going to clean house on the coaching staff, and mm-hmm. and maybe that doesn't matter in the short term. It's trying to predict the South is basically good luck. Good luck <laughs> from week to week. Who knows? And I haven't given up on Utah either, for that matter. One of the four in the mix. I think I've given up on SC. Oh, really? Yeah. Can't get it together now, huh? Messed it up. The quit in them against Oregon State was pathetic. It was. You didn't lose all you want. But have some fire, have some fight. Not like, well, what are we doing here? I'd rather be any place but here. <laughs> I came and I here. sort of saw that. It, it really looked like I came here to play for a national title or a Rose Bowl. Now we don't have a coach. We already got a couple losses. This season's a waste of time. Yeah. Right. Right. So, Which, to his credit, Scott Gerard brought up when we were discussing BYU's schedule. Well, I wasn't because I wasn't on the air yet, but you were. We did the two-hour special, uh, college football, and he's like, oh, BYU's not going to be overwhelmed by USC. USC will have fired their coach and quit on their season by then. Wow. They got ahead of the curve on that one. Getting an early start on that. And if you didn't see the Oregon State game, oof, sad and pathetic. Lots of turnovers. I did see it. Busted coverage. Guys running wide open, catching passes, going 30 yards before they saw a defender. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was horrible. So I'm ruling them out from winning the division. This is the earliest they've been eliminated ever. So you're going to watch them against Colorado just to see if they're good enough to take down the Utes. See if they quit again. Well, yeah, they play the Utes next week. Yeah. Yeah. The other two games. uh, My job. Washington and Oregon State. The intrigue to me in this game. Obviously, two Northern Division teams, and the Utes don't play Washington. They do play Oregon State. How real is Oregon State? And just because we've followed the league a long time, I don't mind seeing Oregon State being better than Washington. I know the English are really? Oh, yeah. The Washington fan base. You tell Lincoln Kennedy that next week. Washington fan base, a bunch <laughs> really? of blue bloods with the noses in the air. You, They're you not so? my favorite. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I've been up to their they're, stadium multiple times. They're I not felt that. They're not the... Um, they're not the most entitled fan base in the conference. Not at all. But Oregon State never wins. And Washington thinks they're supposed to own Oregon State. So Oregon State has a good team and gets them good. Oregon State has really? been pathetic for most of my life. When they get it together, it's like, oh, throw that fan base a bone once in a while. All right, I can see from the Oregon State perspective, I don't have any problem with that. Washington is a team I can work up a lot of hate for. I, I, save, it for, I save it for USC. I save it for... Uh, Oregon, UCLA and Washington are like the, they're the second tier. UCLA hasn't been on a roll in so long. Their fans, I mean, they don't even really have fancy games anymore, but there was a time that they drew 70,000 and they thought they were pretty special. I think they'll have a nice crowd tomorrow night against the Devils. Hope so. 50? Yeah, yeah I think, I, yeah, I'd say. That'd yeah. be good for where they've been. 50 would be a major improvement. People come out to see a winner. Yeah. It's yep. a big game. And Washington State, Cal, I'm, I'm, I'm having a problem uh, working anything up for that. I assume Cal's going to win that game. I don't think Washington State's very good at all. I think they're headed for last place in the Northern well, Cal's Division. Cal's been a disappointment. Yep, but they're going to be good enough to beat Washington State. Nope. You think it could, though? Well, I don't know who's quarterbacking. Is Borgie playing? They look good until he went down. So I have to see, but I'd probably go with Cal. Yeah, Cal's been a major disappointment. Get them in a close game, and they might blink. Cal and SC have been the biggest disappointments so far in the conference. SC won Cal 2. 
Cal had a chance. Well, well, Washington. Washington, yeah. But I still expected more out of Cal at this point. Cal had a chance against TCU and didn't do it. They had a chance against Washington and didn't do it. They've been right. in games, but they have not sealed the deal, and they are 1-3. and three. I wouldn't have picked them 1-3. and three. And I, I wouldn't have picked Washington. What are they, 2-2? Two two? Uh, with... Uh, yeah, who they beat last week? Cal's, Arkansas State. I think Cal's going to win this Cal. game. They're going to lose to Oregon, and then they're going to beat Colorado, and they're going to be three and four and scrapping to get to six and six. Well, and that's they, the first goal, and they still got Arizona out there, so that should be win four. Your goal for Boyle's ability is to get that six win in uh, October. So, do you think there's a big split between uh, nine and ten in this league? The bottom three teams, Arizona, Colorado, Washington State. And then there's a gap, and everybody else is some level of mediocrity, C-minus football, whatever. With the ability to be better on any given week. Or worse on any given week. That is the essence of mediocrity. Um, I mean, you're going they could lose, certainly, but you know what is worse? How do you define worse? Should the rest of the league lose to any one of those three teams? No. Well, oh, those three? You're talking about the bottom? Washington but, State, Colorado, no. and Arizona. I would give Washington State maybe a shot. Now, uh, Arizona's now to the, they've already their third-team quarterback, who was the USF kid last year, McLeod. Uh, and he he looked okay against Oregon last week. The problem is he threw five picks. Dude! Uh, threw five picks and looked okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, relative to what they've had. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I didn't watch a whole lot of that game because the other games were on that I had to watch mm-hmm. and I was more excited about because I expected Arizona or Oregon to beat Arizona. Uh, but I did watch on the replays and the, on that stuff. If I can't, I try to watch everybody in the 60 and 60, they call it. Or is that, or is that Scotty and Hans? That's Scotty and Hans. What is it, just the 60, the 60-minute replay that they have on the Pac-12 yeah. Network? They don't call it the 60 they call it the what I don't know what they call it, but anyway, I watch that and they just go right to the line of scrimmage each time yep. and squeeze it in in one hour. And so skip a few plays here and there if they uh, have to. They they looked er, or in defeat given the level of competition. I think it's the best Arizona has shown this season. Uh, a couple other games to keep your eye on in the Big Twelve. Number twenty one Baylor is at number nineteen Oklahoma State. They're both four zero. That's on ESPN two at five o'clock. It is. That's a light spot in the Pac twelve schedule. So an easy game to keep your eye on with BYU playing Baylor and BYU playing Oklahoma State in a couple of years. <laughs> but Baylor later this season. Uh, that's a good game. A couple other games. Um, if you like the underdog, Cincinnati's playing Notre Dame. That's huge. Can a group of five team get in? Just yeah, huge. now that everyone knows they're going to the Big 12, they'll let them in. <laughs> and they're in an area where they get a ton of run. That's number seven, Cincinnati. At number nine, Notre Dame. Cincinnati's favored by a point and a half. It's a massive game. And ESPN, which, by the way, did you notice ESPN has, uh, I think, three straight SEC games this week? The ESPN and SEC, the marriage is complete. That's what they wanted. Yep. And Arkansas, number eight, Arkansas plays number two, Georgia, at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. So top 10 SEC showdown right there, right out of the gate at 10 a.m. Kicking off a, a triple header. And they're mixing up the leagues over on ABC and ESPN. So I'm sure they'll, ESPN 2, I'm sure they'll tell you that. But on ESPN, it's one SEC game after another. It's like the SEC network is SEC light and ESPN is SEC heavy. So all the more reason that... 
the Pac-12 and, and the Big 12 and the Big 10 should cut deals with CBS and Fox. Make sure you're taken care of because there aren't that many time slots for you on the mothership. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. There is a Pac-12 and a little national college football preview right here on The Zone Sports Network. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. If Blake Anderson in his first year at Utah State beats a top 13 ranked BYU Cougar team, in Logan, it would be overly devastating to Provo. And can you think of the chaos that would ensue in Logan? You'll never pay for another lunch or oh dinner. Oh, my gosh. In, cash value in year again. one? In year one against a 4-0 oh. ranked 13th team. There's not a win on his schedule that will do more for him yes. in that city. Could you imagine John Hartwell just made this hire, and this guy comes in in his first year, beats Washington State, a Pac-12 team, gets his team to a 3-1 and one start, and then knocks off his in-state rival? It would be... Insanely big. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time for your feedback, everything you had to say about today's show. And what a show. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, everybody's talking about the game tonight. Utah State, BYU. Scott, I am hoping last week's poor red zone offense for the Aggies was a learning experience. If it was not a learning experience... The Aggies are in for a long night. Well, I don't know when we'll ever see a game like that in which a team gains over 300 yards of offense and a half and produces zero points. That's stunning. I will say that I was a little surprised against Boise State, and I would expect against uh, BYU as well. I was surprised against Boise State that they did not score from outside the red zone. They've got speed. They've got big play capability. They've shown that in multiple games, and I would think that they can score from outside the red zone against BYU. Now, not enough to win the game. To win the game, they're going to have to finish some drives in the red zone. They're not going to score a bunch of touchdowns from outside the red zone, I would Probably think. Probably not. They sucked in money time. I don't know how else to say it. Right. And they obviously, they already know that, and they've got to do better. Because what's the point? That is the ultimate just running in place and going nowhere. Because if you don't get anything out of it, who cares? You can have a 99-yard drive, and if you come away with nothing, it doesn't matter. You can gain confidence from moving the ball. So I suppose that they could look at that and think, you know, we were able to move the ball in that first half. We just didn't finish the deal. We made mistakes, whatever, and blocks and all that stuff. So... All sorts of stuff to clean up, so you can take maybe maybe it's not uh, it's too strong to say you took nothing out of it because you can take a level of success. It's not like they were snuffed like last year; they had no offense, right? They just couldn't get anything going at any point. So here they did; they just didn't figure out ways to finish it. Credit Boise State, obviously. So if they improve on that, then yeah, that's obviously going to make a huge difference. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Vote at Twitter. Got the poll up to see who you think is going to win the game and can BYU win in a blowout and cover that 9.5-point spread. DJ and PK, that's it for us. Hans and Scotty are coming up next.